My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Julius Arscott. There was a time in the history of the Canadian labour movement when it was common to see organised rank-and-file pressure on the leadership of the movement to be more militant, more politically radical, more tactically creative, and more expansive in terms of solidarity. It has been a long time since that was the norm, especially in any kind of sustained way, but it is a grassroots impulse that has never entirely disappeared. Julius Arscott is part of an initiative to re-establish such militant rank-and-file left opposition within the labour movement in the form of a group called the Workers' Action Movement, or WAM. Arscott was initially politicised as a high school student during the Global Justice Movement, with his participation in things like the massive protest against the free trade area of the Americas that happened in Quebec City in 2001. As a college student, he became interested in socialist politics and in labour activism, he now works for the Ontario Ministry of the Environment, Conservation and Parks, and has been active in his union, the Ontario Public Service Employees Union, or OPSU, in many different capacities over the years. He currently serves as a representative for the Toronto region on the OPSU Executive Board. The initial formation of the Workers' Action Movement happened in the aftermath of the 2014 campaign for the presidency of the Canadian Labour Congress, that's the central body which brings together most of Canada's unions, by longtime activist Hassan Husseini. Though the campaign was not successful, it generated considerable grassroots enthusiasm, and some of the organizers who were involved decided that they wanted to take the opportunity to found something that would provide a more enduring outlet for the values championed during the campaign. After an initial period of activity, WAM went through a dormant phase, then became active again in 2017, leading to a formal relaunch earlier this fall. For the moment, the group is still quite small and Toronto-centric, and the bulk of their membership is within OPSU. But they do have members in other unions as well, and they're working on establishing chapters in other cities. WAM's website identifies it as being, quote, a movement of rank-and-file militant trade unionists, who want the labour movement to be, quote, a class struggle movement, and to that end they, quote, are committed to building an organised left wing, a class struggle caucus within all unions, end quote. Their key goals include an end to concessions bargaining, greater democracy and transparency within unions, more active solidarity both with non-unionised workers here in Canada and with workers and oppressed peoples around the world, and greater grassroots mobilization and militants by the labor movement, both in relation to employers and in relation to reactionary governments. They are attempting to build their organization through a combination of visible participation in public events like rallies and protests, and organized political interventions within the labor movement. This includes encouraging WAM members to run for elected office in their unions and in the broader movement, and organizing to get locals, labor councils, and conventions to pass resolutions and policies on specific issues. 
they hope that their willingness to speak up publicly for a different set of priorities for the labor movement will attract fellow workers who are dissatisfied with the status quo. Along with working on starting new WAM chapters in other cities, the organization's current priority is organizing in support of the idea of holding an emergency convention of the Ontario Federation of Labor to consider how the labor movement should be resisting the conservative provincial government of Premier Doug Ford. So far, a resolution in support of such a convention has been passed by a number of union locals and by the Toronto and York Region Labor Council. A similar step was taken in the early days of the government of Mike Harris in the mid-1990s as part of building towards a major labor fightback in that era. And Arscott sees such a convention today as an important first step in labor doing more to resist Doug Ford. I speak with Arscott about rank-and-file politics in the labor movement and about the activities of the workers' action movement. My name is Julius Arscott. I am a co-founder of the Workers' Action Movement. I'm also an executive board member of OPSU Region 5, which represents the Toronto area. I've been involved in the union for just over 10 years and also a socialist. I'm an activist in the Toronto region, have been for quite some time now. I first became interested in social activism when I was in high school. And I've actually participated in the huge demonstration in Quebec City against the Free Trade Agreement of the Americas. I think that was 2001. From that time on, I went to school and college. My college wasn't particularly all that political. However, I was interested in politics, socialist politics in particular, and made my way back to Toronto for work, where I joined a group called Socialist Action. I'm still a member of that organization got involved with the NDP and the NDP Socialist Caucus and got involved with my union local. I work for the Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks. So I got involved with my local about 10 years ago. I was a steward and was focused on mobilizing the membership and getting them to kind of look at things a little bit more critically, building my local, building local capacity. The whole issue of contract negotiations and the zero wage increases was something that I was focusing on quite a bit, fighting the wage freezes that the Kathleen Wynne government was pushing through. I organized a bunch of rallies around my workplace around that issue and the need to fight concessions bargaining. I've managed to work on the whole issue of trying to fight for better collective agreements for several contracts now. My local is one of the few locals in my region which has been consistently rejecting poor and mediocre collective agreements. And I think that is because the membership is a bit more informed. I became vice president and then president of my local and been involved with things there ever since. A few years ago, I started having the membership asking me to run for an executive board position. They kind of twisted my arm into it. Actually, I think they passed a motion demanding that I do it. So that was a signal for me to step up into the executive board of my union. And actually started with the Workers' Action Movement several years ago. The Workers' Action Movement actually came out of an election for the CLC president several years ago. Hassan Husseini had announced that he was going to run against Ken Giorgetti. And then after Husseini had made the announcement, Hassan Youssef said that he was going to run. He was more of an establishment candidate than Hassan Husseini, who was running from the left. The reason why the Workers' Action Movement came out of that experience was because for the first time in CLC history, an incumbent, Ken Giorgetti, was booted by somebody new. And even though Hassan Husseini didn't win and Hassan Youssef won, it was a signal. 
you have to also remember that this was probably just about a year prior to Thomas Mulcair being booted as leader of the Federal New Democratic Party. So there was kind of this rebellious mood in the air in the workers' movement to challenge the status quo. And we wanted to organize it. We thought that, you know, we can't just spring up a campaign around a single convention, that we have to have a consistent approach in how we are going to challenge the status quo within the workers' movement. Several of us were involved in that already in the New Democratic Party through the NDP Socialist Caucus. But nothing that is always there exists within the labor movement. Often you get breakout caucuses and breakout groups that happen at convention, but they're not like a consistent challenge to the status quo. And so several folks got together to try to form something, and the Workers' Action Movement was the name of it. For a little while, it went a little bit dormant, but it's been rebooted. So we're still building it today. It's a modest group of people, but it's definitely something that is gaining some attention in the Toronto and Ontario region. We really do depend on activists getting involved and helping us grow. We have a website set up. We've got a Facebook page set up as well. We put out documents all the time. We attend conventions. We run candidates for political positions within the labor movement. We've also been pushing a motion for an emergency OFL convention to have a discussion about how to respond to Doug Ford and his agenda. During the Harris years, a similar convention took place, and we think that by having another such convention that it sends a signal to Ford and to Bay Street that the status quo is not going to be accepted, that the attacks on the public sector on workers are not going to be accepted, and not only would it be a great opportunity for the labor activist base to get together to discuss a strategy, but it would send a signal to them to say, you know, that we're taking this threat seriously. So far, we've had several locals endorse the motion. We've had several NDP riding associations support the motion. And the Toronto and York Region Labour Council, which is the largest labour council in the country, the largest and the oldest, also endorsed the motion. The OFL is aware of the motion, but we want to build it. We want to have more folks pushing the idea because we have to take this fight against Ford seriously. So where within the context of the labour movement do the members and supporters of WAM come from? We had a conference a few weeks ago in which we had speakers from 15 the Fairness Campaign. Uh, that's the campaign in Ontario that's been pushing for a raise in the minimum wage and improvements in basic employment standards. We had speakers from the IWW. We had people from community groups. We had participants from six or seven different unions present. I would say that right now we're mostly concentrated in OPSU and the Ontario Public Service Employees Union. But we definitely want to expand. I know we have supporters in Amapsio, we have supporters in Unifor, in SEIU, in Steelworkers. So it's something that we want to engage folks with and get the word out. We participate mainly in a lot of rallies and things like that. We're trying to get the sort of branding out so people ask, well, what are we all about? Of course, our resources are quite limited. We don't have a lot of resources to reach out to the base, to the rank and file of the labor movement. So we have to do that through participating in actions, which is what we do a lot of. So that's how we're getting the word out. But our members, for instance, in OPSU, they're varied from you know administrative workers to scientists. We've got folks who work for the LCBO. You know, it's quite varied. And talk more about the work of building a rank and file organization like the Workers' Action Movement. What we've been doing so far is, as I said, in terms of reaching out, 
We have been attending a lot of these rallies that have taken place, a lot of demonstrations. We issue statements, we hand out leaflets to folks. And these statements are often critical of the status quo in the workers' movement, in the labor movement. They often attract attention from both the folks that we're trying to reach out to to get them as well as the labor leadership, which are often not very happy with having any sort of organized group of people who are challenging them. But often this seems to help us out in terms of getting our word out. We found that in general, the rank and file of the workers' movement are very interested in what we have to say. A lot of what we have to say, they agree with. We have a steering committee that we've put together with folks who want to get more involved, and it's a sort of an ever-growing steering committee. We want to expand. We want to expand outside of Toronto. We just sort of engage people that way and get them involved with the organizing aspect of things. We want to address on the issues that are affecting people in everyday life and within their unions, for instance. In my union, we had issues with rollover agreements, contracts being rolled over, you know, not going through proper bargaining procedures in order to get agreements that would not require bargaining teams to really become active. This was a major problem, not only because a lot of the membership felt that we didn't get what we could have gotten if we had negotiated with the employer, but because bargaining is an important mobilizing tool. It gets the membership actively engaged in the process of you know, pushing back against the boss and the ruling class in general. That's just one example of a topic that we would talk about and that we would push, that we might be part of creating a resolution that's discussed in front of a convention about the importance of bargaining and why it's important that the membership be active participants in that process. Those are just a few of the sort of examples of the work that we do. That along with, you know, for instance, the emergency OFL convention motion and pushing that, that's where our focus is at this time. So in looking at the issues that you highlight on the group's website, one talks about creating a more democratic and accountable and transparent union. Why is that an important demand for WAM? And what would that look like practically in terms of changing how unions work? The problem has been recently, I'd say in at least the last 10 years, that activists within the labor movement who sort of step out of line or challenge the leadership are really threatened in a lot of ways in terms of anything from, you know, not being selected for book-offs for campaigns to much worse in some situations. Security that was hired by a union physically assaulted a friend of mine because they were handing out a leaflet at the entrance of a union meeting, their own union meeting. I think that the purpose of what we're trying to do is we're trying to open things up. We think that having an open and democratic and safe environment for activists to exchange ideas is really important to the health of the workers' movement. We think that having debates and disagreements is not something that's a problem within the movement. And in fact, it really would help us hash things out. But it seems quite clear that the current leadership is more interested in protecting themselves and their own perks and the status quo than opening any doors to critical debate. It's really quite toxic and stifling. And in this period of needing to fight the Ford agenda, which is pretty scary stuff, not only in terms of attacks on public services, but you know, Ford is a product of a wider phenomenon that's happening around the world of right-wing populism. And worse, the status quo is just not going to come even close to addressing what needs to happen in terms of challenging that in any serious way. So the workers' movement, the labor movement, needs to address the economic crisis 
much better than it has been. And they're not. And the problem is, is that more and more we see that workers are looking towards these reactionary figures to solve the problems that exist. And I think a lot of the problem is that the labor movement around the world, you know, the workers' movements have not done enough to challenge the status quo, to call out the system, to call out capitalism, and to offer a real alternative. That needs to change. And until the leadership of the labor movement either sees it for themselves or is pushed aside by activists who are going to, you know, address these issues, the situation is just going to get worse for all of us. Another key issue that your website identifies is, quote, for solidarity with workers everywhere, end quote. What do you think that should mean, for instance, for solidarity by union workers for non-union workers? Well, I think that in Ontario, a very good example would be supporting the 15 of Fairness campaign. It's been a very successful campaign, and it has had a huge impact. There's huge potential with the reforms that were won through Bill 148. Many of the provisions within Bill 148 had direct impacts on non-unionized workers. That particular item that's listed on our website about we're in solidarity with workers everywhere also has an internationalist perspective. We look at the need to fight for, you know, a workers' government, which is also listed on the website as one of our key goals, a long-term goal, (laughs) but a goal nonetheless. Internationalism is integral in that fight the need to fight and support workers everywhere, all around the world. So whether it be supporting workers who are on strike, you know, postal workers here in Canada, the COPW that's on strike right now, to supporting postal workers who are on strike in France and connecting these unions together to say, you know, we have common issues and we have a common fight against the boss. Or if it's supporting the postal workers in Palestine through uh, campaigns such as boycott, divestment, and sanctions. We actively support the BDS movement in WAM, and we pass resolutions in our locals to have discussions, and we don't shy away from these fights that many other folks do. International solidarity is also not just union to union, but it's also identifying with and supporting vulnerable communities around the world, whether or not it be indigenous communities in Latin America or oppressed nations like the Palestinian people. In the many conversations that I'm sure you have with your own co-workers where you work or with other trade unionists at conventions and so on, when you bring forward the perspectives of the workers' action movement, what are the hardest conversations that result in those circumstances? I would say that much of the labor leadership that's hostile towards us tries to frame it as we're attacking the union or attacking the labor movement. And it's a very weak argument. I mean, you really don't need to dig very far through the items that we publish to see that it's just complete nonsense. We're trying to do the opposite. We want to reinvigorate the workers' movement in this country. But from rank and file, I would say that what we find more so coming from folks who might be a little bit hesitant is the idea of confronting the labor leadership head on. I think that there's been this culture of sort of letting things go a bit and constantly giving space and room for these mistakes or errors or tactical decisions that negatively affect workers to take place. And I think that the open sort of brazenness of our open challenge to the status quo is something that makes some workers feel uncomfortable. And that applies to people who have been active in the labor movement for a long time and folks who have not been active for a long time. It's kind of like being a rally in some ways. You know, you have some folks who are willing to go further than others. 
But our main sort of challenge is mostly with some folks in the labor leadership. But we also acknowledge that, you know, activist left is quite weak in Canada and quite weak in Ontario. So that's a much bigger issue. And of course, it would be great if we had many more people knocking on our doors and we hope to have that. And we do. But, you know, there's a long ways to go to fight against the huge systemic problems that exist. How does the Workers' Action Movement speak specifically to the experiences and needs of racialized workers? Equity issues exist within the labor movement as well. I think you would be right to say that workers who belong to vulnerable communities, maybe more often are not unionized, but even within unions, you know, we have issues, we have problems with having the leadership reflect the membership, even of our own unions. The Workers' Action Movement addresses this issue in different ways. International solidarity is one way, and I talked a little bit about that already. But we also support the efforts of equity committees within their own unions to fight for better representation. So that happens on a pretty regular basis. We'll organize forums in which we ensure that there's some balance in terms of the speakers to better represent the members of the union. And we work with other like-minded folks who address these issues more specifically than we do. It certainly is important to have the leadership of the workers' movement reflect the membership. And I would say that right now, the way things have been in a lot of unions is that that's not what you see. A lot of it is that there needs to be a better focus on bringing racialized workers to the fore to provide training for them and providing opportunities to be organizers and mobilizers. These are steps that need to take place. And also requirements, you know, there could be uh, changes to the way that executive boards, for instance, are put together so that there are minimum requirements in terms of numbers from different equity-seeking groups in order to make that change, if necessary. Talk a bit more about the Ontario context in the wake of the election of the Conservatives under Doug Ford, and about WAM's perspective on how organized labor should be responding. To be honest with you, the impacts of the election are still hitting a lot of people. It's taken a while for people really to realize what's going on. A lot of people are looking at, you know, Bill 148. Uh, And Bill 148 was the legislation through which the former Liberal government enacted a minimum wage increase and significant reforms to basic employment standards under pressure from the 15 and Fairness campaign. Bill 148, which has basically been trashed by Ford. But I think that the impacts, the positive impacts of 148 haven't really resonated with the ordinary person within the province of Ontario. It just hasn't been around long enough, you know what I mean? Like it's only basically been a year. So I think that the loss of 148, it's had an impact on the activist base of people who have been working really hard on building the campaign for the 15 and Fairness campaign. And it has had an impact for sure on people who got minimum wage increases. But I think that now, just now, when people are realizing, for instance, it's not going to go up to $15 an hour in January 2019, that that is starting to make people say, oh, wait a second, this is a problem. You know, we need to step up and something's got to change. I think there was a poll that was done recently from what I had heard that Ford's support ratings were down close to what Kathleen Wynne's were prior to the election. So this gives you an indication. I would say that the work of WAM 
people have been more open, I would say, to our ideas. The fact that our motion for an emergency OFL convention, that it passed almost unanimously at the Toronto New York Region Labour Council is an indicator of that. But getting people to support a motion and getting people to actively participate in organizing a longstanding campaign are two different things. So in some ways, it's still early days for us, but we are continuing to grow and we're continuing to gain experience. I think that the motion or the emergency convention is just the first step. I think really what we want to see happen is working towards building a general strike action, days of action similar to what happened against Mike Harris. That's what we need to be working towards, big actions and small actions along the way. But really what we want to do is we want to see the labor movement bring down the government. That's, that's really what we'd like to see ultimately. It might seem far-fetched or far off from now, but, you know, even though Ford has got a majority government, there's still a lot that can be done to challenge the status quo, to challenge Ford. And we're just barely seeing anything being done right now. I know a lot of people have expressed a lot of frustration with what has appeared to almost be like a lack of movement on this front. And sort of a strange focus, for instance, the OFL put out a statement recently condemning some damaged property of an MPP's constituency office. And I suppose I could understand the OFL coming out and saying this is not a tactic that we generally support. But instead of using it as an opportunity to talk about the violence being inflicted on our communities by the rescinding of Bill 148 and all of the other attacks on, you know, LGBT against sex ed and all this stuff, they just chose to put out a statement condemning this damage to some private property, which I just thought was not what we needed right now. And it puts the workers movement, puts the labor movement in a defensive position, which I don't know, when you're negotiating with the employer, you certainly don't start off negotiations by putting yourself in a defensive position. And I don't know why they did that. What would you say to someone who's listening to this show and who is a union member and who likes the kinds of things that you're saying? I would say you should join us. All it involves is going onto our website, going to www.thewam.ca. You can also find us on Facebook. Send us a note saying you want to get involved and we'll be in touch with you. I don't think there's enough folks who are doing the kind of work that we're doing in the labor movement. And I think that it's absolutely imperative that we get more and more people involved. And I mean, the labor movement has a strong history of challenging capitalism, of challenging capital, of challenging Bay Street and winning. You know, the postal workers who are on strike right now, they won maternity leave for all of us through an illegal wildcat strike. And not only is that a reason why we should all go out and support them, but it's such a good example of what can be done by challenging what many would perceive as not being challengeable of doing what needs to be done for the benefit and for the betterment of our class, of the working class. So I would say get in touch with us. We can set up a branch wherever you are across the country. And we've got a lot of work to do, but it's got to start somewhere and we're willing to start it. So I would say if you agree with what I have to say or you're intrigued by it and you want to find out more, contact us. You're not alone. There's lots of people like us out there and we just need to get organized. You have been listening to my interview with Julius R. Scott of the Workers' Action Movement. To learn more about them and to find out how to get involved, go to thewam.ca. That's T-H-E-W-A-M dot C-A.
To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>